Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, summer is marching on here. I mean, 4th of July is right around the corner. At least we still have golf sports-wise, right? This we is do. Usually we still baseball have baseball season. There's not much going on, but we got the Travelers Championship this week. That's I mean, right. We're going there right now. It's exciting. It is exciting. Oh. I, I love watching golf on TV, even with no fans. I mean, to me, it's yeah, it's just about as good. It's better than watching know? Korean baseball, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Or it the is. Uh, the uh, cornhole championships are going on every week somewhere. Uh, you know, I'm. I'm I mean, sure there are other sports going on. I'm just not guy, paying attention to they're them. They're really good at throwing those little bags. I mean, are they? They just, do you know what I'm t- even talking about? Yeah, I, I do <laughs> okay. know cornhole, but, okay. you know, I don't do tailgating. It's kind of a tailgating activity. I guess. I don't know. I mean, I've done it a couple times, but it's, uh, they're they're talented. I mean. Yeah, I've seen your cor- your Carolina cornhole, yes. you know, <laughs> set that you have that you like to try to push on us every time we go to your house. So. <laughs> We'll pull that out next time. That's right. You get a Clemson one. Yeah, at least I'm gonna bring my own Clemson bags next time. There I'm gonna go. throw it. They so. don't slide well in the. They don't slide Carolina well in there. So port, you know. so. But hey, I mean, as summer moves on, though, you know, so does the markets. So does you know everything that's going on um, in the economy. And uh, you know, we got some great topics to talk about because you know it's been somewhat of a market timing dilemma. John, this has been a very unusual bear market that we've been through, um, where the market dropped dramatically, it's recovered dramatically, and it has been a nightmare for market timers. So we're going to talk about, you know, market timing, how that worked or didn't work. No, you shouldn't do that. uh, Well, (laughs) don't give away the end story, John. (laughs) Come on, man. I think people listening to us know what Stolen my article here. They know what our take is on this anyway. We don't have to. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. Go to the punchline. And then we're going to. We're going to start talking a little bit about um, market timing <laughs> with, with uh, you know, there's a lot of people chasing the FANG stocks. I mean, it just, right. technology <laughs> actually hit a record high recently. And, um, you know, that's, uh, we gosh, we kind of see some of the same valuations that we saw back in the tech bubble. Yeah, you know, 20 years ago. It's um, it's a little scary, quite frankly. So It has been remarkable. So we're all about investing today. I mean, we're yeah. talking about the market. But, you know, um, we're going to – by the way, I'm Steve Marvitt. I'm a yeah. certified financial nice planner. In, nice, nice to introduce yourself. <laughs> I thought I'd introduce myself. You know, I'm a smart investor pro. Been doing this 25 years, um, providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to this podcast and I have a whole bunch of other podcasts you can tune into. A lot of resources on the uh, the website from calculators to college material. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We put a prescription of the week. If you didn't catch the uh, T-Rex a couple of weeks ago, go check that out. Sarah and uh, Ginger did a fantastic job on that. Really funny. So uh, they, uh, they're they a little funnier than we are, aren't they? <laughs> they are, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. we're, just, we're just too serious. Yeah, here. we're just numbers. Maybe we ought to lighten it up here, John. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's a lot of good information out there on our website. Um, a lot of past shows, you know, going back over 10 years now, John. On our uh, so every topic you can imagine we have covered at some point. So go check those out, and also you can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can link to us right there, 
and um, we'll cover them here on on the show, um, just like we're going to do this week. So, uh, but we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah. So we get asked um, about buying individual stocks, sometimes about day trading. Um, the success rate for day traders is very low. It's estimated to be about 10% of people are successful, which means 90% of people are losing money. And there was this one gentleman, Corey Michael, at the Vantage Point Trading um, Company that says it's only like 1% of traders really make money. And, you know, if you really think about it, um, you know, the, the markets are a real-time thermometer. I mean, there's buying and selling going on instantaneously. And if someone's making money, someone else is losing money, right? So yeah. <clears throat> you have to, you would have to join the crowd as the markets are moving up and be smarter than the crowd to get out before they do if it starts to fall. And there's just so many millions of trades that are happening by the second to think an individual has yeah. more information than millions of people out there. It's just a fallacy. My goodness. If you, if you think you can go out there and day trade and somehow you can get a, a leg up on the market I mean, you can't even individual investor can't even see level three quotes. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're going to do day trading, you got to be able to see at least what the level three quotes are out there. What you know, how many bids and how many ask, you know, quotes are out there, people trying to sell or buy and at what prices. If you can't see that, which you can't if you're a, a regular trader, a right. regular individual, you know, you have to pay a lot of money for level access to level three quotes. So you're at a huge disadvantage, you know, <clears throat> and the question is, can you even equal the market? You know, because if you can't beat the market, you might as well equal it. Just buy an index fund or a diversified portfolio. So, you know, it's not a question of whether you can make money. It's a question of whether you can actually beat a diversified portfolio um, and do that after expenses. And it's tempting. <clears throat> I mean, you look at like an Amazon, the success Amazon's had. Um, you know, it's it's people want to try to hit that home run, and so they, they buy do. small stocks or they buy something that's hot and. Um, you know, that that can ruin and wreck a retirement. Um, and it we've can. seen it happen before. That's so. speculation. It's gambling. You know, it's not investing. So I had someone be an investor. Someone that joined us many years ago, and they had $300,000 in Wachovia stock. Well, guess what? Wachovia is wow. not around anymore. It yep. went to Wells Fargo. <laughs> yep. And so they lost down, they lost 270000 out of the three hundred. Uh, by owning that one stock, which was Wachovia was a phenomenal institution for so many years. I mean, That's very right. stable. That's and, right. So. I mean, just about every good company has gone through yeah. a, either a bankruptcy or a near bankruptcy. Yeah, look at GE. Over the years. I mean, it's and just, if you're a stockholder through that period, you end up with nothing. Yeah. So, Ford's cut their dividend. You know, it's just, uh, the, the, there's a litany of examples. There really are. So, yeah, that's good. good fact of the week. You know, you don't want to be one of those statistics, one of those day trading statistics. That is for sure. All right, and speaking of which, that leads us right into our first topic here about market timing, the COVID market timing dilemma. This is based on a recent, very recent Wall Street Journal article. Um, but, John, you know, the stock market has clawed back <clears throat> much of the losses from this pandemic. However, you know, it hasn't been without its share of market timing casualties. Um, you know, I'm sure you've run across many people who have made moves that they regret during this pandemic. I certainly have. Mm -hmm. um, but in fact, I mean, you know, it's surprisingly still going on as investors kind of speculate where markets are going to head from here. And now that we're back up, you know, out of bear market territory, only in correction territory, some investors, you know, kind of feel like they want to bail out and avoid a second leg down. So, you know, this is a very common reaction when you come out of a big drop. You mm -hmm. get back near 
near near uh, the highs the highs again yeah. and people want to bail out then because they're afraid it's going to happen again and they don't want to go through that pain again because they have a feeling a feeling that it's going to happen again I feel again. like the markets are going to go down from here Exactly that's what, that's what they that's what we hear all the time yeah. yeah So here's one example that they give in this article from the Wall Street Journal um there was an ophthalmologist uh uh Craig Skyler Sky Sky Skyler, Skyler, okay yeah, can't pronounce. Anyway, he felt compelled to sell his stocks, even though the market has has mostly recovered. And so when the pandemic hit, you know, the value of his investments tumbled. And so did the income that he earned from his private practice in Connecticut, which was forced to furlough staff and dip into his emergency loans to try to keep the doors open. Yeah, so he was 62 years old. He had uh, hoped to retire in a couple of years. And he basically decided he couldn't risk seeing his portfolio take a bigger hit. So he sold much of his stock um, at a loss um, between January and early March. Uh, he basically said, hey, I don't have 10 to 15 years left to recover my losses. It's never taken 10 or 15 years to recover. Oh, by the way. That's right. right. That's right. Uh, now, <clears throat> past performance doesn't guarantee future results, but it's never taken that long to recover. And um, so at some point he says, hey, I need the cash to live on uh, going forward. So he didn't have a process. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and so, yeah, as you just mentioned out, you stole my thunder here. Yeah, history <laughs> shows it typically doesn't take 10 or 15 years to recover from a bear market. Having said that, the S&P 500 has been down for 10 years before, you know, but it, 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 if a diversified portfolio has, does, yeah. has not, yeah, not. Well, that's not. a good point. If you're not diversified, <clears throat> so we, we, we do see cases where if you're very narrowly invested, that can be the case. That's exactly right. So, you know, but this is a great example of how your mind can kind of run away with you and create this kind of panic, which leads you to make very bad decisions. You know, in fact, I just talked about a client about these very same feelings yesterday. You know, I mean, the coronavirus pandemic has created a crisis that some people like this doctor, you know, Scalar, um, believe, you know, could take the take make the country take the country nearly a decade to recover from. You know, and individuals like him are now faced with perhaps one of the most difficult investing decisions they'll make in their lifetimes, and that's rather to wait out a potentially long rebound or exit the market altogether. Um, but data from Fidelity Investments recently showed, suggests that millions of individuals have decided to do the latter, and that is to get out of the market. Nearly a third of investors between age, um, <clears throat> well, 65 and up, they sold their stock holdings sometime between February and May, hmm. compared with only 18% of investors across all age groups. Um, so that's a big difference, you know, I mean, it shows that older folks are kind of have kind of panicked through this. Um, however, the stock market has defied most of those investors expectations, expectations and has recovered much of the losses that it suffered after the pandemic and has forced, you know, even though businesses have shut down and countries were have closed their borders. Um, the S&P 500 now is only down about 5.9 percent as of this article um, for the year. And, uh, the Dow, you know, is all, was off 10%. <clears throat> so while many asset classes were down a lot more. So the point is, you know, most everything is, is back up only in correction territory. Yeah. And many people believe the stock market's rebound is justified. Um, and they have attributed it to the rally to the aggressive central bank action, which has been on the, you know, it's been phenomenal. All the different areas they've, they've come in the fiscal yep. policy, <clears throat> 
and also the projections that U.S. will be able to contain the pandemic in coming months. And those who are more skeptical point to the worries about another spike in coronavirus cases, uh, which certainly could happen, right? I mean, right. We, we're seeing some of that in certain places, um, you know, especially after the wave of, uh, you know, some of the protests that broke broke out around the country, and they worry that that could send the markets tumbling again. And I mean, Steve, we don't sit here and we, we can't say we, we know the answer. It certainly could do that. But that's right. We do know that historically the markets have always recovered. Yeah, that's the key, you know, and you have to look at history and and judge, you know, the potential of the future based on on history. And, you know, in, in this case, I mean, many cases, um, those hoping to retire in the coming years, they aren't waiting around to find out who's right about whether it's going to recover or not. You know, and this Dr. Scalar he told his children who are in their 30s to, that, that they should be 100% equities if they can, but he himself isn't planning on dipping back into the stock market anytime soon. And <clears throat> at least he had the presence of mind to tell his younger kids to stay in the market. But here's another example um, that they cite over in Illinois. Um, this gentleman, Philip um, Eberlin, who owned a wood restoration business, had most of his portfolio and certificates of deposit and in cash. And he knows from experience that um, even uh, after world-changing events, 9-11 and the financial crisis, 2007 and 8, the stock market has always gone up again. Um, Mr. Eberlin uh, said he missed out on much of the market's stunning recovery after the last financial crisis because he figured out um, – you know, a time to move more of his money back into the stock market because he never figured out a time to go back in the stock market. That's the bottom line. He just procrastinated, never pulled the trigger on it. And he missed out on on historically one of the best bull markets we've ever seen um, over the past 11 years. Um, But he's 66 now and he hasn't worked since late March because the pandemic has dented uh, demand for the contract work in Chicago for residential buildings, which is where he where he had his business. So with the hopes <clears throat> to work for another two or three years before retiring, this bear market, you know, could have been a great opportunity for him to catch up on his past mistake of pulling out during the, the, the previous bear markets, you know, in the financial crisis. However, he couldn't get over his fear that things could turn worse. Um, and he said, you know, what... What what I'd rather do, um, not do, is invest at this point and then see the market plunge another 40 or 50 percent from here. So the bottom line is he couldn't get over it. Yeah. And for the most part, most financial planners and advisors recommend that individuals who are approaching retirement, um, you know, gradually reduce their exposure to riskier assets like stocks and they increase their exposure to conservative investments like bonds. Um, but you still need to have a healthy exposure 50-50 type uh, exposure to stocks and, and bonds and retirement, you can have some growth to keep up with inflation. So, um, you know, when the markets do go down, you have a conservative bucket you can just pull that income from. And Mr. Eberlin, from the, from the previous example, he missed that opportunity and that message. And he's 100% in fixed income, uh, which is really not returning a lot right now. I mean, they've taken the interest rates down to zero. Yeah. And nothing. that's a shame because, you know, he's not going to have the kind of growth that he needs to uh, – stay ahead of inflation. And uh, now he has a difficult task of when does he get back in, if at all? Yeah, probably never for him, you know, and I think that's true for a lot of people that that sold during, um, you know, bear markets like this. And uh, if they're near retirement, they just can't get up the courage to get back in. 
Um, so, you know, what us advisors typically recommend is, 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 well, we don't recommend it. What we don't recommend yeah, is pulling, pulling out, out of the yeah. stock market altogether. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you sell, you have to be right two times, you know, um, right that the market is going to keep going down and right um, about when the market is going to go back up and when you should get back in, you know, and that's next to impossible to do. And you usually end up hurting yourself. And what's worse, you know, I mean, that is that most people who pull out of the market after a downturn, they never get back into the market until the market is at a much higher price than when they pulled out. So, you know, some people like Mr. Eberlin um, never get up the nerve to get back in at a reasonably, into a reasonably allocated portfolio. Of course, the impulse is to sell. Um, you know, the impulse to sell can be overwhelming. I mean, especially for those who don't have as big of a cash reserve to fall back on during economic times, you know, and for retirees living on fixed income, it can be very distressing to see the value of their portfolio drop during these kind of downturns. And that's why it's very important to have the proper allocation where you can still sleep at night and know that you won't have to alter your lifestyle when markets do drop. Yeah. And you have to feel for people who are driven by these emotions. I mean, it's hard when you're listening to the, the national news on a daily basis, it's negative, negative, a lot of negative data coming out. They didn't have someone to help them uh, get through the tough times, do some rebalancing, uh, kind of coach them on what they should and shouldn't do. And um, but both Dr. Sklar and uh, Eberlin said they do consider themselves more fortunate than most. Um, Dr. Sklar has been able to pick up telemedicine shifts um, that allows them to have income, you know, from that that particular uh, uh, position. And Dr. Eberlin has uh, been able to hold up. His wife has a school teaching job. Uh, and they had some savings as well. So when you think about how many people in the country have very little savings in retirement, they, they both said they feel blessed, um, even though they, and the markets have caused them a lot of stress. Yeah, that's right. But he still feels the sting of regret, I mean, especially having set out the nearly 11-year bear market that began in 2009. He missed out on much of the stock market's resurgence over the past few months. Um, so with the future of his job up in the air, you know, he isn't looking to make any drastic changes in his portfolio. He says he wish he had a crystal ball. Um, you know, had he stayed invested in a well-diversified portfolio, though, these past 10 years, he would have likely been in much better shape for retirement and probably would have been less concerned about this recent pullback. But unfortunately, you know, that's that's the state that he finds himself in. And, and that's what happens when you don't commit to a well-diversified portfolio and have a disciplined process for how to handle these bear markets. So anyway, you know, as we've seen through these and countless other examples over the year, I mean, market timing is usually a losing strategy. So the point is you got to stay invested, you got to stay diversified, and you have to have a strategy for dealing with these downturns. Mm -hmm. So that's the moral of the story. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, it says we would like to buy some land to build a house, but do we sell our current house or keep it as a rental? We don't know what our options are. And I, without having any other information, you know, if you have a mortgage on the existing house and you go get a mortgage on the land in the new house, your risk level goes up significantly. So I would say you would want to sell your current house and, you know, take those proceeds and put it into the other house and be debt free or try to get close to that. If that existing house is um, is paid for, 
you know, you have an option. You can certainly go out and get a new mortgage and, and keep that as a rental. It becomes an active investment, right? Which a lot of people right. don't, don't realize that. I mean, you gotta you gotta be yeah. prepared to spend some some time and money on that. But uh, rentals work for some people, you know. They they do, yeah. I mean, I think you you said one of the key things, and that is it's an active investment. Most people have this, or a lot of people have this misconception that rental properties are a passive investment. But you just buy it, you get a get a tenant in there, and it's all happy, you know, happy sailing from there. Um, that's not true. You know, we know rental properties are a very active investment. You have to be there. You have to be able to manage it. If you pay a manager, they, they you know, most likely you're not going to make any money. They take all the profits, basically, because you have to pay them, and they have to do all the management, and you know, they're in it for a profit as well. So um, I would only suggest that you keep a property like that if you really want to be in the rental market, if you know what you're doing, if you're handy, and if you're local, you can go and do some of the fix-ups yourself. You can manage it. You can pay attention to it. You can keep an eye on it. Um, you know, if you're going to be in a different state, you're going to be away, um, and you're not. this isn't something you really want to do, um, I don't think you should be in that market because it's very difficult and you really need to know what you're doing. You have to know when to get a tenant out of there. You have to get the right tenant. You have to do a great job of vetting tenants. So good question of the week. But, yeah, I'd be very, very careful about keeping your house as a rental property. And that's the bottom line. Yep. And that leads up here to our next topic, and that is um, uh, investors rule low information investors rule the stock market or the least at the very least they can uh, they can lose all their money yeah this is an opinion piece by, by Howard yeah. Gold okay so let me put that out there but uh, interesting in 1929 as the story goes Joseph P Kennedy which was the patriarch of the Kennedy clan went for a shoe shine not far from his Wall Street office and Kennedy was stunned when the shoe shine man gave him stock tips. Um, and, um, you know, this guy was a leading trader. And so he immediately returned to his office and aggressively short sold stocks. And he made a great for fortune in the great crash. And this is probably, uh, you know, larger than, than truth. But when the shoeshine men are so confident in their bullishness that they give stock tips to the pros, it may be time to start to sell. <laughs> That's and right. we've seen that a little bit. I mean, the <clears throat> NASDAQ, you know, a couple of weeks ago hit an all time high. Briefly closing above ten thousand, and um, you know Dow Jones and the S and P are are close to their February peaks, and uh, we see a lot of day traders and and newbies uh, emerge proclaiming their stock picking genius because they're they're sticking with a lot of times the Fang stocks is what we see, and uh, research shows that men are more reckless investors than women, and uh, that's been pronounced on Robinhood, that's a commission free stock trading app uh, preferred by millennials who can make all the trades uh, they want to and with the tap of their thumb. So they made it very easy to do that. But, man, I tell you, this you know this story doesn't come to a happy ending sometimes in certain sectors of the market. Yeah, that's right. Um, you, you have to be careful. But, you know, here's the tale of Robin Hood. Um, this is a California-based brokerage firm. They've raised $1.2 billion. Um, and on the strength of 3 million new customers in the first quarter, you know, it, it just raised, you know, $280 million in late funding um, here recently. Uh, and, you know, Robinhood has more than 10 million customers whose average age is about 31, you know, and it's been um, having an outsized impact on stock trading. I mean, it's a trading, you mm -hmm. know, platform, basically. <clears throat> and as one analyst here recently 
uh, put it, who examined Robinhood's trading data, he found that small investors were behind much of the recent buying in the stock market. Um, so that, you know, what we used to call the smart money is now um, chasing the day traders. <laughs> you know, so talk about the caboose pulling the train. So it's been a little bit different. It's a little bit different take here on. Yeah. On trading, yeah, and, and gone are the days of the the COVID nineteen lockdowns for right now, um, and fears of bodies piling up in emergency rooms. It seems like the hospitalization rates are under control. Um, the long forgotten are the forty million unemployed Americans, the forty percent of businesses that may not reopen, and the the long road to recovery um, that uh, some think that we have. And, and don't even think about the new wave of uh, the cases and the hospitalizations. And, um, you know, so there's a lot of still a lot of negative news out there. But, you know, a lot of folks are still buying the Apples of the world and the Teslas. And, and this was an interesting one, Steve. Uh, Hertz went bank is going bankrupt and people are gobbling up their stock. I don't know if you've seen. Wow, that or yeah, not, but, I have um, heard that. I, I don't understand. I, I don't under. I saw that it had taken a big jump and I was sitting there scratching my head thinking, who would buy a bankrupt a company headed I, into bankruptcy? I, I'm not, I don't get it. I mean, because when a com- company goes bankrupt, you lose all your money, you right? You basically I mean, lose it all. So there must be I, they must be gambling on very short term moves, yeah. and planning to get out before before the the bell you know rings. Yeah. Because when the bell rings, you got nothing. Yeah, and it. I mean, you're you're <laughs> at that point. People say the stock market is like gambling. That is gambling. It is right. You could hit it big, but you can also lose everything. So that's where we're, we're believers in in mutual funds and long term investing. But uh, better than Buffett, I, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. You know, it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, but they say. I mean, no doubt these. Various astute people have done deep dives into balance sheet, loan covenants, and capital structures, the way distressed debt and deep value investors do to make sure they're protected on the downside. Well, that's uh, what Buffett does, right? That's what Buffett does, <laughs> but no, that's not true on Robinhood. I mean, traders on Robinhood and other instant trading platforms, they're waging hundreds, maybe a few thousand bucks at a time, and, you know, supposedly to beat the pants off the pros, but... uh yeah, I don't really think it's happening that way. Yeah, there's a gentleman out there. His name is Dave Portnoy. He's a successful founder of Barstool Sports. Uh, he basically says, uh, I'm the new breed. I'm the new generation. He said, there's no one that can argue that Warren Buffett is better at the stock market than I am right now. I'm better than he is. That's a fact. And um, his column has recently taken Buffett to task for his performance uh, recently. Three of his recent investments lost uh, $7 billion, and he clearly sold airline stocks at the bottom. Um, but, uh, whoa, I'd be careful challenging Buffett to that. He's got yeah. a long track record. He does, you know, I mean, no doubt he definitely, uh, sold the airline stocks <laughs> before they headed up, you know, headed back up some, but, uh, who knows what he put that money in though. He could have done better. You never know. Um, but yeah, the day trading is definitely a sign of the times, you know, um, uh, I mean, when you look at this trading platform, what's been going on, I mean, there's a lot of people that are kind of gambling on on this recovery and there's a lot of volatility out there so you can lose it all very very quickly when you're doing this kind of day trading um but you know these people are all home right they're 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 you know you know off of the covid lockdown yeah, i yeah, guess and yeah. they got time on their hands and um they're saying hey i can make the stock market work for me you know and then um with the fed pumping money in the market they think how can i lose 
And that's true. When the market's going up, sometimes there's an old saying in the stock market of confusing brains with a bull market. You know, (laughs) I mean, so don't count your chickens before they hatch. Just because the market's headed up and you're doing well day trading, the game ain't over yet, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and some of us remember the '90s. I mean, gosh, you so five years in the late '90s, the the stock, the S and P 500, averaged like 25 percent a year, and growth yeah. stocks were off the chart, and so people gravitated to those stocks. And then it went for 10 years, and it made nothing. That exactly. Then nothing will ruin a retirement. I yeah, mean, the last period. time day traders went bankrupt was in 2002. You know, when NASDAQ crashed and yeah. lost 70%, you know? So, I mean, yeah, the the bull market of the late 90s made a bunch of people feel like they were geniuses, you know, and, and all of a sudden they could trade stocks and pay the, the fees and the spreads and still come out on on top. Um, but, you know, they still did, they still, most of them didn't beat the market itself, which averaged like 30% a year for five years, mm-hmm. was, was incredible without even having to, yeah. to trade any stocks. And then they lost everything, or a lot of them did, during the tech bubble whenever it crashed in two thousand and through two thousand and two. Yep, so right, yeah. So don't count your chickens before they hatch. Just because you did well for a few months doesn't mean you you found the uh, the golden uh, you know the golden hand, if you yes, will. Right. To stock trading, it, it does lead to, to overconfidence. So um, just be careful. If you're doing no that. doubt. No doubt. All right. Good topic. Enough on, on the on stock market uh, day timing trading, and yeah. day trading. Yeah, right. So, all right. And that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah. So make sure you're, you're checking savings account, checking and savings accounts and brokerage accounts. Make sure they have a payable on death or POD or uh, transfer on death or TOD on them that basically puts the beneficiary on those accounts and it avoids probate. So when you set up an IRA account, yeah. um, you know, you have beneficiaries tied directly to that account application, but checking accounts, savings accounts, and brokerage accounts, there's another form that you have to complete to make sure you have your beneficiaries on there. Yeah. And that's an excellent idea because almost nobody has that done. Right. You know what I mean? People just don't think about that. You do a checking account, your bank or savings account or CD or money market account. You know, nobody sets it up as TOD. It's really important. And if you do that, you could have totally avoid probate because you have beneficiaries on everything and nothing goes through probate. So do that, you know, go, go, go to your bank Get the forms, you know, download the forms, send it in, get everything listed TOD so it has a beneficiary listed so you can avoid probate and make sure it all goes to the person that you you want it to go to in the right proportions. Yep. So great prescription of the week. All right. That brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. And you can link to us there. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.